Hello, schools. We are privileged indeed to have in our studio the distinguished octogenarian Professor Burlap, B.A., F.R.C.S., an amateur bloodletter, <laughs> to talk to you about his childhood memoirs prior to his impending American tour and imminent death. <laughs> Professor Burlap... <laughs> Professor Burlap, the, the title of your talk is Forgotten Folklore. Oh, oh, is it? I'd forgotten. <laughs> oh, oh, dear! Well, uh, hello again, schools. Uh, in the professor's unavoidable absence, uh, I should uh, like to talk to you today about forgotten folklore. I remember the mother of my dear wife, a wise old countrywoman, an unbearable old crone, saying... If the oak comes out before the ash, we shall have a splash. If the ash comes out before the oak, we shall have a soak. That is an example of wise old folklore. Or, to put it another way, stupid old mother-in-law. <laughs> and now, if you hear this... In Dorset, this means... If the livelong day the rain do fall, tis middling unwise to walk out with nothing on at all. <laughs> in Scotland, it means... When lightning crackles o'er the locks, don't forget to carry in your spur and a spare pair of socks. <laughs> And in the southeast, electric discharge between the clouds and the ground. <laughs> One serious word of warning. <laughs> when you hear the following, make immediately for the middle of a deserted field, lie flat on the ground, and completely cover the ears. <laughs> Prune tune, we bring you today's forecast of six. Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bilotti with their own ancient motto. Oh no, it's time, sorry, I'm eating it again, mother, again! Imagine, if you can, or if you can't think of anything else, <laughs> we are in a theatre bar during the interval between acts. Oh, that was funny, oh, wasn't oh, it? I haven't laughed so much for a long time. <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. When, when that fellow came in the door... And Sergeant Gitting was in the tiger skin. <laughs> 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 it does you good to have a really good well, laugh. Look, let me it? get you a drink. What do you want? Ah, gin and tonic, please, then. Gin and tonic, please, then. Back in a tick. <laughs> Rupert! Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here. I haven't seen you for years. Uh, Celia, darling, this is Malcolm Kerr. Malcolm, Celia. Hello. Hello. Isn't this a marvellous play? It's terribly funny. <laughs> oh, you like it, do you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I think it's really pretty funny. <laughs> funny? Yes, in parts. Bits of it are, are quite funny, don't you? Yes, yes, I suppose some of it's uh, quite amusing. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think it's that good. No. No. But there, but there were moments when, um, like the scene with the porter. Marvellous. Very funny. That bit with the porter. <laughs> Wildly overdone. Uh, overdone, yes. <laughs> overdone, yes. But, but really... Quite funny. Exactly. My very words. Overdone, but quite funny. Except for the end. Except for the end, which was a, a little more... Uh, more, um, which was a little more, um, what? <laughs> I was just saying it was a little, 
little more... Uh, As compared with the rest, it was more... Surrealist? Surrealist! Oh, no, I wouldn't agree with that. Darling? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not surrealist. No? So, no. No, 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 well, well perhaps I'm, I'm not expressing myself very well. Ah, Paul! Ah, Paul, I want you to meet Rupert Clark. Clements. Clements. And uh, this lady. <laughs> Celia. Uh, Celia Thomas. Thomas! Yes. No, there's no reason you should have known Thomas. I didn't tell you. No. Of course you didn't. No. <laughs> you haven't told us your friend's name. Oh, 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 oh. Paul. Uh, Paul. It's my brother, Paul. A uh, brother-in-law. Paul. Uh, Foxley Norris. Hello. Hello. Ah, oh, how do you do? We were just discussing the play. Marvellous, isn't it? Shh. What? <laughs> we, were, we were just agreeing it was quite funny in parts. <laughs> Bits of it were really quite Bits funny. Bits of it? You said it was the funniest thing you've ever seen. Did he? No, no. I, I meant, I meant with the bit with the porter. Overdone, but uh, overdone, overdone, over yes. the top, over the top, over the top, over exactly. The, over the top. What does that mean? <laughs> sort of, sort of overdone. Yes. Yes, it was funny, but over the pot. Top. Top. Over the top. <laughs> the porter bit was, uh, was over the top, but quite funny. Well, you were laughing at the whole thing. Well, quite a lot in bits. Um, which other bits did you like? What? <laughs> well, uh, the porter bit. Yes, that's been agreed. Well, you, you practically fit off your seat at that chap in the tiger skin. Did he? Did he laugh at that? No, no, I didn't laugh at that. <laughs> Oh, that wasn't funny. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> well, well, it was humorous. Yes, it was humorous rather than funny. I mean, one smiles. Oh, well, I laughed out loud. Oh, that bit with the tiger skin. Yes, yes. I did laugh at that bit. Yes, he did laugh. Yes, I did. Very funny. Very, very funny. Mm, but it wasn't that funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, more, more humorous. Uh, a surrealist in the big top. Rather than wildly over... Uh, oh, there goes the telephone. It must be for me. Does your friend go to the theatre often? Often? He's a critic. <laughs> oh, that's better. Nice sunny day. Enjoy yourself. Oh, whenever I feel glum, I collect a bag of crumbs. And on Sunday I go out to take the air. With the crust of mother's pride and a pinch of cyanide Persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square In the early morning hush with my bottle and my brush Coating Nelson's column with great care With some stuff that looks like paint but I promise you it ain't I'm persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square Oh, I can't agree with crucifying crickets And I wouldn't wish a wombat any harm And I'd never flagellate a defenseless alligator And I'd seldom irritate an arm A dill open on Sunday after tea Just my grandmama and me How we love it and the people all declare Though she's nearly 91, she still gets a lot of fun From persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square Promenading in St. James, I play lots of little games 
any dark and stormy night you see me there When I'm digging up the weeds and planting hemlock seeds For persecuting pigeons from Trafalgar Square Oh, it's naughty, I agree, but I inoculate a peanut With a powder that would paralyze a bear So a bird that takes the beetle find it absolutely fatal Persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square Oh, I don't approve of mutilating muskrats It's appalling when impalas are impaled And I'm never much elated When a bat is being baited And I've never castigated Wales or Scotland I have built a vacant hut Like a little model church And before each murder lights It says a prayer Cause where the altar should have been I have fixed a guillotine For persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square Persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar. Wake up, darling. I'm going to make you breakfast in bed. Mm. <laughs> I'd rather you used a frying pan. Don't you want it? No. But wouldn't you like a treat? Yes, but can't you think of something else? This is the fifth time you've offered me breakfast in bed this morning, and it's still only half past two. I only, only want to please you. You're after something. All right, it's true. I want to buy a dress. What? I can't go out without one. I don't spend money on dresses. Why can't you make your own, like I do? Besides, I like you as you are. John, I can't go on pretending I'm a naturist. It embarrasses people on the bus. I must have some clothes. You must have some clothes. Send the children to the jumble cell. Should get a couple of quid for them. Ten more will be paid. How can you joke about the children? Everyone's laughing at them. Well, they've got a very good act. <laughs> and you never pay the bills. The gas has been cut off, the phone's been cut off, the water's been cut off, and if you don't pay the hospital for your operation, goodness knows what they'll do. <laughs> oh, why are you so mean? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm truly very, 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 very sorry. Now, come back to bed. Oh, John. Turn out the light. Mm. You're wasting electricity. Oh, John. Sometimes I look at you and I want to scream. I'm not taking off my gorilla mask. <laughs> and you've forgotten what day it is. No, I haven't. It's Thursday. You never remember our wedding anniversary. You didn't even remember our wedding. <laughs> Three weeks I stood outside the church. Then when you did arrive, you were drunk. And after three minutes, you rushed out of the church yelling that you were being chased by enormous black and white centipede. Well, I'd never seen a choir before. <laughs> and you might have learned your lines. How can anyone forget I do? 
Well, the vicar prompted me. Yes, and it was three weeks before I could get a divorce from him. Uh, what were you doing for three weeks? We were trying to make a go of it. Oh, what a muddle. We had to do the whole ceremony over again. I don't know why we bothered. I was perfectly happy with the verger. <laughs> Anyway, how can you complain? I've bought you a lovely house in the country. Why don't you go there? I want you to be there. All right, I'll go there. But, John, that house is made for two. All right, I'll take my secretary. Your secretary? That's another thing. Did she have to stay here last night? We were working very late. I don't believe you. You can ask her. All right, I will. Were you working late last night? Yes, ever so late. <laughs> She's come between us. I wouldn't mind if she didn't snore. She keeps the milkman awake and this bed's just not big enough for the five of us. The five of us? Mr. Porter, the butcher. He sleeps at the bottom end. Oh, I thought it was a hot water bottle. Oh, dear. What? I filled him up with boiling water, though. Oh, dear. Anyway, I'm not having you sleeping with three men, so you'd better get out. Oh, no, John. <laughs> you can't break your promise. Remember that wedding day. You promised to love and cherish me till death us do part. What's your answer to that? <laughs> oh, John, you've shot me. I'm sorry, it was meant for the milkman. <laughs> We are now in the Royal Opera House, Covent Garden, to hear the little-known operatic work El Budgerigar by Johann Sebastian Oyster Prejudice. <laughs> the libretto is based on an old traditional Latvian folk joke and concerns the story of an old woman who has two budgerigars, one green and one red. One day they escape and fly to the top of the tree, but no one will rescue them except the village idiot climbs the tree and brings down the red budgerigar. When the villagers ask him why he didn't bring down the green one, he has a very good answer. And now, El Budgerigar. <laughs> What a glorious day, the sun is shining, the sun is shining upon our little village. It is on days like this that jokes happen. Help! 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 Hark! Did you hear that? Isn't that the voice of old Mrs. Darja Poultis? Of old Mrs. Darja Poultis? Darja Mrs. Smith! <laughs> 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 
two battery cars, one green and one red. One. Hey, yes, one green and one red. On. Help! My two battery guards have escaped. No. They have flown to the top of a high tree. <laughs> with us now to the year 1810, to England under George III. Oh, George, you are... <laughs> Back to the days of Georgian elegance, Georgian taste, Georgian splendor. Georgian the dragon. Our story today concerns one man whose clothes and style of dress set the fashion for the age. Bill Brummel? No. This is the story of Bow Legs. <laughs> is Windsor Barracks. There is a great military parade and the commander of the regiment, Brigadier Clutch Featheringhoor, sits on a magnificent Arab charger, while beside him the Prince of Wales sits on a fine Spanish chestnut. Oh, I'm not comfy. <laughs> look, Your Highness, here comes the parade. Oh, how magnificent the men look, marching past in their bearskins. Yes. <laughs> we couldn't afford the uniforms. But now, here's the high spot of the parade, a display of horsemanship by Captain Legs. Look, here he comes. Thundering across the parade ground gallop Bowlegs, closely followed by his horse. Then, <laughs> springing into the saddle, he gave an amazing display. He's... 
He stood on the saddle, bounced onto the ground and back onto the horse, rode backwards, sideways, upside down. Help! <laughs> then he fell off. Oh, I say, bravo, who is that man? That is Captain Legs. His friends call him Bo. Good morning, Brigadier. Morning, Legs. I say, Brigadier, who is your fat friend? What? You insolent puppy. This is His Highness, the Prince of Wales. Really? He looks just like an ordinary whale to me. Oh, you cheeky cat! You have gone too far, sir. You'll pay for this, you impudent dog. Take that. Ah! Brigadier, what are you doing? I'm stuffing five-pound notes into your ears. You mean... Yes. You're cashiered. And so Bowlegs was thrown out of the army. He was furious. Oh, I am cross. <laughs> and even more upset was his faithful servant, Grimbley. Oh, the disgrace is stripped of your rank in front of the whole regiment. Oh, oh, sir, it brought tears to my eyes when they cut off your pips. <laughs> never, never mind, Grimbling. I may no longer be an officer, but I'm still a gentleman. Thank heaven for small mercy. <laughs> what will you do, sir? Fear not, Grimbling. I shall get even with them. I shall take society by storm. I shall become the most sought-after man in town. Yes, in my exquisitely cut coat, my fine white cravat, and my skin-tight breeches, I'll show them all. <laughs> well, nearly all. <laughs> Next morning, Bo hurried off to the tailor to buy his new clothes. Good morning. This is Cohen and Levi's bespoke tailoring emporium, haberdashers to the nobility, is it not? That's right, yes, and I'm Cohen. When you get back, I'd like to buy... <laughs> to buy some clothes. Uh, made to measure or off the peg? Made to measure. All right, I'll go and get them off the peg. But wait, what sizes have you got for my chest, waist and hips? Well, they're small, uh, medium and large. Yes, that should fit. Better still, how about a plum-coloured velvet frock coat with open-toed satin lapels, 15 denier Harris tweed cuffs in lavender organdy, five boots of saffron leather in French pleats finished with tangerine tassels, and a waistcoat of watered hessian in burnt vermilion with just the faintest hint of peach about the pocket. I can do you a nice brown suit. That's the kind of... <laughs> and so next day, Bowlegs in his fine new clothes visited the local coffee house where all the young bloods gathered. Here we are, Gribbling. Now watch the reaction when I go in. You see, Grimbling, <laughs> they're stunned and gasping. Oh, what have we here? Who is this Poppindray? My name is Bowleg. Really? And I see you've splashed out on some new clothes. Oh, have I? I'm sure. How careless. <laughs> Now, be a good chap and run along, and leave the trend setting to your betters, like me. How dare you speak to me like that? I'll teach you to cross bow legs. <laughs> you are beginning to bore me, man-cub. <laughs> Master. Yes, Governor. Throw this young fool out. Well, no, boss, it's as good as dim. I mean done. <laughs> Anymore, throw him out. Whoop! Ah, the swine. 
Fortunately, I've landed on something soft. What luck. You can say that again. <laughs> Yes, it was none other than Lady Constance de Coverlet. And once again, when things were in a mess, fate stepped in. Oh, bother. <laughs> and now, dear boy, I'm having a little party tonight. Hello, and Lady Beagle. Prince, I learned to be happy. Generally speaking, his son, frankly speaking, his daughter, Normally speaking, and then dog spot, alpha and damnation, Miss Primula Wittering, Miss Primula Wittering. Primula Wittering stood in the doorway, a beautiful creature with long blonde hair that fell in ringlets down her neck. Bo could hardly take his eyes off the ravishing figure standing before him in a daringly low-cut dress. I am a debutante, Mr. Legs. I'm coming out this season. So I see. <laughs> Soon he was chatting to her in a corner until Lady Constance signalled to him with her fan. Oh, dear boy. I should like to sit down. Oh, Mr. Legs, would you fetch a chair for her? Will one chair be enough? Oh, I doubt it. Grimbling. Yes, sir. Let's have three chairs for Lady Constance. Certainly, sir. Hip, hip. No need to get My lords, ladies and gentlemen, His Highness, the Prince of Wales. What are the subjects, boys? What are you? Hi, what a splendid turnout. I'm so glad to see all you bods here. They say I'm mad, but I'm not. Oh! <laughs> I hope you're all enjoying yourselves. It looks like a really lovely spread, and I'm not a loony, see? Oh! Wait a moment. Haven't I seen you somewhere before? Yes, sir. I'm afraid I was rather rude. Oh, so you were, but it doesn't matter, because I forgive you, and in any case, I like potatoes. Soon they were as thick as thieves. The prince was pretty thick to start with. <laughs> Suddenly, Beau remembered Primula Wittering, and he set off to find her, little knowing that she was, at that moment, closeted with the villainous Sir Percy Prune Fetish himself. How pleasant this is. Just the two of us. Ah, oh, Sir Percy, get away from that young lady. That's it. Now climb into that filing cabinet and get into the drawer marked P for Prune Fetish. Curses. Filed again. Miss... Oh! Ah, Miss Wittering, this blackguard has tried to sully your reputation. You swine! I have no alternative but to challenge you to a duel. Oh, no. Oh, all right, I'll challenge him to a duel. <laughs> oh, Mr. Legs, how brave you are. I'll be your second. You'll be my first, actually. <laughs> it was a desperate battle. To and fro they fought, grappling and punching, until at last one of them lay vanquished on the ground. Oh, an absolutely vanquished. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I can never show my face in public again. Oh, the humiliation. Oh, oh. From that moment on, Bowlegs forsook high society and spent his time on drinking, gambling, and women. He was no fool. <laughs> but soon his money was all gone, and he was forced to live in an attic in a dirty old bare house. Who's been sleeping in my bed? That was the dirty old bear. <laughs> then one day, as Bow lay starving and ill, he had an unexpected visitor. <coughs> Come in. Hello, do I intrude? Oh, your highness. Yes, tis I. Have you heard the news? They've made me Prince Regent. Oh. 
Uh, oh, Bo, we used to be such friends, but that's all over now, thank goodness. Yes, <laughs> it's all over now. I've had some good times, but they're all past now. <laughs> oh, God, but if I had my time over again, I'd do it all the same. <laughs> Maybe I'd learn from some of my mistakes, who knows? But it's too late now. Too late. And stop playing the saxophone when I'm talking to you. <laughs> and so the prince said farewell to Bolex. Chitty old ball. <laughs> and two days later, faithful old Grimbling, tears streaming down his face rode to the palace with a message for the prince. And when the court heard the news, they stood in silence and wept. Yes, Bowlegs had got better. You have been listening to I'm Sorry, I'll Read It Again. The show of which so many people have said, I wonder what's on television. <laughs> the voices were those of Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, Bilotti, though not necessarily in that order. The scripts were written by Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Graham Garden, Joe Kendall, Bilotti. The song was by Bilotti, and all the operas were by Graham Garden. The music was by Leon Cohen, who did all his own arrangements. Well, no one else would. <laughs> the whole show was hatched by me, David, while all Peter could do was titheridge. So there it is. You'll have to contain yourselves till next week when once again you hear those mellow tones of John, I've got four pens in my breast pocket, please, saying, Oh no, wait, I'm sorry, I'll read that again, will I? Again? I'm sorry, I'll read that again. 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 I'